Hi, Hannah. Hey, Anna. Hey, so we've been talking about our identities as writers for a while now. I think it's time to do our podcast. That's a great idea, but what should we call it? Hmm. How about how about a play on the pen is mightier than the sword? Like the pen is that, that's it. The pen is. The pen is so many things. It's scary, it's honest, it's funny, and the pen lets us explore what it means to be a work in progress. <laughs> and hey, Hana, we are a work in progress. You said it. Let's get started. Okay. So I got some exciting news from you yesterday that you completed something. Yes. And can I tell you that it felt very satisfying? Mm, How satisfying? Uh, It was, you know, so I realized there's like the type of satisfying you get from eating a really delicious piece of chocolate, which is like in the moment, it's really satisfying. And then maybe five minutes later, my brain and body have pretty much forgotten. (laughs) And this was kind of the opposite where um, the process of finishing this story was just really laborious. And I just, like every time I'd come back to look at it, I would just sort of go, like I, it just, nothing was coming to me. And I, um, I'm a lazy person, so I'm not used to having to work at things because typically I just give up on them when <laughs> they don't come easily. Um, and so this was, yeah, it was like not a very fun experience while doing it. But then I like, as I was finally forcing myself with the deadline of knowing we were going to be meeting today to finish it, um, finally like lightning struck for me in terms of how to bring it to a close Mm. and then ever since then I've had this like increased sense of well-being and I just feel more relaxed and just really content and self-satisfied that I checked this thing off my list that had been hanging over my head for weeks now. That sounds uh, completely satisfactory. Definitely. (laughs) I highly recommend it if you are, uh, if you're like me, I, like, I definitely, I procrastinate, um, and I know why I procrastinate, and ostensibly procrastination is done to make us feel better, but really, it usually Uh tends to make me feel so much worse, because I'm just constantly, I know in the back of my mind, I have this thing I need to finish, Right. and then inevitably, like, as it just piles on more and more, I get like I start feeling really angsty and then really depressed and I'm like, yeah. why am I so terrible? And then I finally finished the thing that I've been procrastinating that I thought was going to be awful. And that just immediate lightning of like, oh, life isn't terrible. <laughs> the sky is so like blue and there are birds singing and I can appreciate that again because I finally taken care of this thing. It's just a wonderful feeling. Well, I, I'm glad that you so succinctly um, wrapped that sensation sensation up (laughs) (laughs) sensation uh because i experience that on a daily basis (laughs) (laughs) are you talking about work related or anything anything you know where it's like and i do attribute it for me to a bit of adhd where it's like 
the overwhelm of something that I feel uh, insecure or overwhelmed about finishing or starting. And so I procrastinate and set it aside and set it aside. And, but at the same time, my need to do what I know I should be doing and my high level of, um, um, what's the word when you set yourself really high uh, standards, I guess. Um, I mean, would you say maybe perfectionism? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it ends up mostly just tearing me down <laughs> until I'm so guilt ridden that I do it and it takes like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you think to yourself, why didn't I just do this before? Precisely. <laughs> so it's, And then it happens again. And then, and then, it, then it's the same yeah, cycle. <laughs> so I hear ya. Mm-hmm. And that's why I am exceptionally proud of you for striving through and accomplishing your task. Thank you. It means a lot um, coming from one perfectionist to another. So you you understand on a visceral level what I'm what I'm dealing with here. So thank you. You know, I just and you're welcome. I'm sorry I was jumping in because I had an idea. Um, I just thought that the title, The Lazy Perfectionist, is brilliant. <laughs> oh, I do like that. Okay, We're, we definitely have to tuck that away as yes, an idea. Yes, tuck it, tuck it. It's been tucked. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, would, you, would you like to go first? Is it, do you want to talk about finishing your story? And, or wh- um, how, how do you want to go about happy to do that. I also want to check and see what you would like to talk about today Mm. so that I um, am making sure that we're giving you space to explore your own um, creative process, whether that's in the personal or the professional realm. Yeah, so the personal realm, I am uh, dry uh, in terms of writing, even journaling. I need to get back into it. It's been a bit of a challenge. I am definitely procrastinating in writing, even though I know it will be cathartic once I do. However, in my professional realm, I am still working on the issue that we spoke about last time of me feeling like I'm unable to write informative type persuasive essays. And I have continued to work on that challenge. And I don't have my essay completed. However, what I do have to bring to the board is the book I'm using, my introductory paragraph, and some of the outline that the book helps me write. And my coworker, who is uh, training and supporting me on this, said she literally gave a happy dance when she read it, saying that I've got it. That is great news to hear. So that's what I have to share. (laughs) Okay. No, I think that... I mean, and um, so obviously offline from from our conversation here, um, you sent out the blog post that you had written recently. Um, I don't know if you saw my email back to you, but... I did. Thank you. Why don't you state it again? State it, briefly summarize. Yes. Uh, Let me me pull this up. Because, you know, so I... Um, I haven't read one of your blog posts since the initial one, which was one of the writing exercises you brought to, to this conversation. Um, so that was the last time I'd been exposed to what you've been writing for work. And then you sent out um, 
this blog post to friends and family because of Jasper's role in, you know, as, as a model, both for the photos and then also I assume probably for um, coming up with the content um, because the, the topic that you wrote about was herbal holiday crafts for kids. So obviously he, you, you would want a child there to, um, to kind of test and foolproof everything or kid-proof things. Um, but I loved it. So I said, you know, in writing back to you, I said, I love the photos, Jasper, but also Anna, this is such a fun, easy to read, engaging post. I would say you've been doing this for years if I didn't know better. So good. And every word of that is exactly how I felt and my impression from reading it. It was delightful. Um, and, you know, if I were um, a company that was looking to kind of create or increase awareness of my brand, um, something like this would be exactly what I would be looking for. Thank you, I, I really appreciate that. And it was also similar feedback I got from my coworker who's helping me write because she does all the editing. And she said, she, she said before she even read it, she knew it was gonna be just easy, spectacular because it's, that's my jam, I guess. And it, it comes naturally to me. And she said, yeah, there was just a few edits. You know, my other coworker who does the final approval of these also did a couple just word choice edits. But beyond that, she said she didn't even touch it and um, absolutely loved it. And we want to do a lot more of these style um, recipe blogs that, that teach about, that guide the reader how to teach a group of kids while doing it. And I believe that why it did come so easily is because I have been uh, teaching nature education for 11, 12 years. And so all I had to do was put it on paper, but um, it was a newer experience writing that kind of blog. I used to write blogs, but like it was, it was definitely more narrative style and not necessarily in this way. And so it was new and fresh for me, but also it literally took me no time to write. <laughs> because it just came so easily. So um, I, yeah, I appreciate your, um, your feedback on it. And it, it is nice to feel some confidence boost knowing that I can do something easily. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense that you are, you're building on skills that you've already developed, which I think is always, you know, um, a great way to get started in a new field. So not having to start all the way back at the beginning every time and kind of make that slog, but rather using skills that you've developed, information that you have already at your fingertips. Um, but what I really appreciated about it is, you know, you, you definitely have this kind of conversational tone, not purely conversational, obviously, because no one actually writes the way that we speak, but it's a very, um, down to earth, you know, tone that really gets you engaged from, from the start and, um, and brings the reader in as a participant in what they're reading. But then I also love that, um, so with each of these projects, you keep it very, you keep it structured um, and simple so people can easily see the supplies that they need, the order of, of events that they're going to be doing. Um, you know, you have, um, good kind of tips and tricks to make it easier. But I also love these explore further um, sections that you have after each craft to kind of um, 
you know, give parents or, or um, whomever might be doing this with their, with children, something to kind of go off the page a little bit and explore with fewer boundaries. And I really just love how you tied in multiple senses to each of the crafts um, and kind of through play and through description, you're really helping folks um, promote children's development. And it was, I just, yeah, it was great. Thank you. I, it was, I just came up with that explore further on my own, mainly because I was really trying to capture what actually happens when I teach. And I had realized that I'd never actually written down or captured really what, what is happening underlying when I, when I do, when not just me, but any of us who at like Whole Earth Nature School does our programs, that's, that's the part that's really hard to get people to understand what's happening under the surface. And that's why we call it coyote teaching is because it's sort of the subtle way of uh, getting kids curious and motivated and questioning. And it was interesting for me to be like, oh, how do I actually like say what it is that I'm doing? And I, and I realized it's quite easy to explain it uh, if I need to tell somebody how to teach this way. But really it is drawing in on so many different elements of, of their senses and their curiosity and bringing in other lessons that incorporate life skills. And especially with like the lip balm one, for instance, I often um, in the past have done like a whole course with eighth graders on herbal healing. And a lot of that is like herbal beauty products just to teach them about how um, kind of toxic a lot of beauty products can be um, either in your own body or to the environment. And so I like to incorporate, you know, a talk about dehydration and why it's so important to hydrate and what are the first signs of dehydration. And that's often chapped lips. So if we're talking about lip balms, is that just covering up, you know, a root problem or is it that you were just in the sun too much and your lips got dried out? <laughs> No, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, and it's so clear that, like you said, this is something that you know well, not only the, the, the actual content, but like you said, then sort of that thought process of um, what does this look like transmitting this information to young people. And I just wish you luck with um, future posts, because I think, you know, hopefully this gives you, like you said, that boost of confidence and um, rather than making it a chore that you might dread, you know, hopefully it um, brings a little bit of um, excitement and motivation back for you knowing that you, that you can do this given the right tools and that eventually some of those other things that maybe don't come as easily, you can develop if you've developed this sort of, um, of post or information. Thank you. I appreciate your, your cheerleading. Um, yeah, so we can talk a bit about mine. Mine's not as interestingly creative as yours, but uh, as we talked about before, I am trying to find a better way to get my brain to write informatively and concisely and logically. And in this process of working with my, my coworker and, and also doing a little bit more research on ADHD brains, it's been really helpful for me to realize like, 
I can stop hating myself for feeling like I'm a failure in a certain way of thinking that I've always struggled with my entire life and why school was often difficult for me and that nobody told me what my brain was. <laughs> like nobody, nobody could explain to me how I thought. <laughs> and, you know, some of the things that I've been reading about is, is how folks with ADHD or ADD kind of um, brains is, is the fact that I don't store information logically, which is why I also have a hard time recalling. And so it's just sort of this jumble that's just shoved in there in different places. And I'm sure if I learn more about it or research it more, it probably has a logical sense to it that I just haven't tapped into. But in general, the scientific approach to ADHD is it's literally a brain disorder. And so I don't, it's really hard for me to be extremely logical and chronological and and to stick to that because I just jump around so quickly and I want to get to the bigger picture faster instead of taking the time to go through the process to get there. And so this is this essay prompt that I'm writing on is, it has nothing to do necessarily with, with this topic that we're talking about in terms of me being able to write an informative essay, but this is uh, this is just the topic that I chose for work because it's something I actually have to come up with. I have to do an infographic about green teams. And I knew this would be the most helpful way to get there of what are the ABCs? Like what are green teams and why are they important? And then write an essay from there. And so my coworker found this book called A Professor's Guide to Writing Essays and it's by Jacob Newman. And he is a professor. Um, associate professor at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley and um, he teaches classes on teaching and education and wrote this wee book on essay writing and the reason that we chose it was because it really helped to make sense of, of for someone who has a brain like mine um, and it, this is what he says and he's like how this book will help you he says in this book I'm not gonna tell you any cute stories about writing. Instead, I get straight to the point with a step-by-step -step plan, practical explanations, and examples that show you how this information works in published academic writing. So this means that we're going to focus on the big picture and put our essay together in pieces. The purpose is to help you keep the big picture straight in your head. And this will help keep the details make better sense. And so that's precisely what's going on with my brain and why I get it frustrated is, I get overwhelmed by the big picture. And then I don't know what I'm actually saying because I don't, I haven't taken the time to really understand the details. And so um, what I did was he first had us write out um, an outline of like, so I have like my topic is what is green teams and why are they important? And then I, I wrote an outline of, of just the little details that will in eventually encompass this piece. And um, so I, write out, I wrote out some, uh, some outlines such as community of employees enacting change, empowers individuals to lead and lend their voices, company culture is more defined and valued, et cetera. And then from there, after um, really thinking about those outline topics, you put each one of those into a paragraph. So paragraph one, is gonna be community of employees acting change. Paragraph two is gonna be about empowering employees to lead and lend their voices, et cetera. 
And once you have those lined out, then it's, you write a thesis statement for your essay. And it took me a while to, to kind of like really hone it in. It's gotta be very specific. It can't be just fluff. It needs to be just like, what is it that you're actually going to be writing about? And my thesis statement is green teams are an essential tool for companies to make positive change. And it took me a little bit to get there. I had to work with my coworker just to kind of help me hone. It's, it's really helpful for me to like bounce things off with somebody. And so she kind of helped me kind of formalize my thesis statement and, and, and led me to like bring, really hone it in and bring it down. And so once you have your thesis statement, then you can move on to your topic sentences for each paragraph. And so each paragraph is my outline for, you know, so paragraph one is community of employees enacting change. And my topic sentence for that paragraph ended up being companies invest in the community of employees to enact change. Paragraph two empowers individuals to lead and lend their voices. So I wrote my topic sentence as green teams empower individual employees, um, et cetera, et cetera. And what I realized as I was writing this was that I began to understand so much better for myself because I have to lead the green team at my work. Um, I helped actually co-found it years ago, and now I'm coming back into this position being the leader of it. And in order to lead something, I got to understand what, what the hell I'm doing in the first place and why, I'm, why, why it's even there and why it's important. And it's really started to kind of, you know, really hit ahead for me of what it is to have a corporation or a business have a green team, which is, um, I, once I got to get to the introduction, I can actually like give you the definition of a green team, but it made me understand better of, of why they are so effective. And, and it really is like from literally the inside out, you know, you're, you're, like I say, we're empowering a group of individuals, a group of employees to volunteer their time to join this group of individuals to not only empower themselves to be more sustainable within their, not only their environment, but within themselves, like internally. And then they have this motivation and empowerment to bring it to their fellow employees, but also bring it to what is this culture that this business I'm working for? Like, do I value and believe in the morals of this company that I put 40 hours plus a week into. And, you know, for us, like for my company that I work for, it's, it's people and plants and planet before profit. So it's, it's, it's built into our bylaws almost literally that um, we are practicing uh, responsibly um, as a corporation in terms of our environmental impact, our community impact. You know, we, are, we give money to nonprofits and to individuals. We do all these things for corporate responsibility. And so how does a green team uh, really bring that to the forefront? Um, when you look at businesses across the planet, but especially in the US, the majority of them are not thinking sustainably. sustainably. Um, they're adding to the plastic problems. They're adding to the carbon problems. And we are doing our best within our company to not only, uh, you know, be a zero waste certified company, but also how are we the voice of change for other companies to follow suit? You know, the biggest one that everyone talks about is Patagonia. They are a huge sustainably uh, oriented company. And so, you know, how, how do we impress other companies to do the same 
not just for the planet, but just for the human species to be able to continue sustainably on this planet. And so I was able to really look at this green team from like the, like I said, the inside out from starting with just an employee passion all the way to um, my last paragraph topic sentence is the actions and goals set by company green teams supports the welfare of the environment and the future of our planet. And so from there, after you get your topic sentences, that's when you can write the introduction. And this is as far as I've gotten so far, but I just want to read my introduction and it's not perfect yet. I mean, there's some grammatical things, but the point is, is that I, I'm understanding it. And, and what he was saying about introductions is that it's got to have like the three elements. It's got to have, um, let me just make sure I'm saying these right. Um, the context, the thesis statement, and then, uh, you know, the details of, of each of your topic paragraph sentences of like, what are you, what are we going to be expecting in this article? So I write, what does it mean to be socially and environmentally responsible as a corporation? As the world becomes more aware of how corporations can negatively affect the environment, many businesses are beginning to look inward at how their business models and actions can instead make a positive difference. One solution that companies are beginning to adopt is creating a green team, aka sustainability team. Green teams are an essential tool for companies to make positive change. A green team is an employee-led, voluntary-based grassroots group that empowers, teaches, guides, and implements strategies toward a more sustainable business model and culture. Creating green teams encourages companies to invest in time, resources, and employee passion to enact change. Because they are employee-led, green teams empower employees to lead and lend their voices. This creates a more defined and valued company culture because employees are working toward a common goal. Companies motivated to change their practices are poised to be a model for other businesses to follow suit, which causes a ripple effect and ultimately supports the welfare of the environment and future of our planet. This is really wonderful to hear you talking through the whole process, to hear, you know, how you are taking something that used to be so overwhelming because it would just always balloon up into such a big thing and then really making it into concrete, you know, statements that relate to each other. And it's funny, you know, I think back to when you're in college and they you know, are talking about how you write essays and they say, you say what you're going to say, then you say what you want to say, and then you say what you said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like, I remember laughing because it, it just sounds so ridiculous. You're like, how many times do you have to say the same thing? Right. But hearing you lay out here and not only um, how you are writing it, but then how the process of writing it in that format has allowed you to organize your thoughts in a way that helps them, helps you express yourself better and more clearly, um, really demonstrates to me the value of this format that I used to mock all the time. Um, and I think it really, I mean, it comes out like that introduction that you just read, it's not dry, it's not boring. It's, you know, it, it's clear your passion for this comes through and your passion for it because of the really big 
field on which we're playing right now talking about climate change. I mean, we're not just talking about a small business and, you know, what, or an individual and what impact green teams might have on that business or a person. You're talking about the implications this has for the entire planet. And that passion comes out through this introduction. Um, but it's also, it's just so, yeah, it's so clear. The values that you're talking about are so clear. I, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I was honestly quite surprised after I wrote the introduction. I was like, oh, <laughs> I think this is the clearest I've ever been. <laughs> do, you, do you find that um, as you're writing it in this way, that it's changing how you're approaching the topic? Like, do you find that the format is affecting the content as much as the content is informing the format? Yeah, I, and I think, I, I believe the answer is yes. And when I first started doing this, I actually had a completely different outline and thesis statements. And then I erased the entire thing. It just was not, I still wasn't finding that flow, you know, of what it is that I'm really trying to say, because what I was finding was I wasn't owning it of like, this is my idea of what I think a green team is. And I often find myself uh, not giving myself credit for my ideas and viewpoints because I've often kind of always taken a step back because I didn't. I've doubted myself so much and my ability to have any say, um, especially in, in an, an intellectual setting, because I've always felt like I was kind of dumb and slow. And when I stepped back and really owned it, and this is what I want to say it is and what I believe it is and what I'm going to do with it, that's when it started to really come together and and, and tie all the pieces together and also give me a better idea of what it is that I'm, what it is that I believe in and what it is that this truly represents, not only for me personally, but for my company and for, and for the world. Well, and I wonder, I know you said that um, in coming up with the thesis statement that you have now, you talked with your coworker about it. Um, and this kind of ties into our earlier discussion of isolation and shame. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like there's often this expectation that we need to come up with creative content on our own or that it's we've somehow, uh, it's like lesser or whatever if we talk it out with other people. Um, I don't know if you feel that way at all, but I just wanna go on record here stating that that I think is bullshit. <laughs> Um, and that I think if you find that you, you think better, you give your own ideas more credence, you are able to get more clarity in talking them out with people, and you want to incorporate that as a regular aspect of your writing, I think you should go ahead and like recognize that this mm -hmm. is one tool in your box that you know will make you a better writer. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I feel like I glossed over that part, but it is true that in general, I, I do better when I can speak out loud and bounce off somebody, you know, even if that person isn't 
saying anything necessarily, or, or it's also helpful for me to have that person grab onto the ideas that I'm floating out there and then help me guide them into a more cohesive thought process. Like I, I do often need that, that help. And I think you're right that maybe I see that as a weakness that I need someone else to guide me, but that I should be able to do it all on my own. And I think this is also part of my, <laughs> my process that I'm personally going through with my life changes is while there are definitely things that I can do on my own and I feel proud of that, it's more courageous to, to ask for help. And it doesn't even have to be human help. Um, one of the- I mean, I know Ivy, Ivy would love to hear you work through your ideas with her. Um, but also even, you know, you're talking about how you haven't given, you haven't felt confidence in your own ideas um, in the past to really speak, speak them as your truth and, and rather have kind of, um, you know, pushed them aside for other things, but you're starting to find your own voice. And I wonder if, you know, so maybe hearing your words in someone else's mouth help you to really hear them mm. better. And if eventually, too, you can have those conversations with yourself. So it might be that at the start, mm -hmm. having these conversations with someone, bouncing the ideas off of them, hearing your words in their mouth might be what you need to write your own ideas. And then as you become, as you grow more confident in your craft and in, you know, the value of the things you have to say, um, you may be able to have some of those conversations with yourself. And so mm -hmm. it may be that it's a tool you use um, for a while and then are able to develop your craft as a writer and as an intellectual in this field or an authority in this field to um, be able to stand on your own and recognize without someone else's help that what you think has merit. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that once again of bringing it back to me and um, having the confidence to own what I think and feel. Once again, this has also been a huge lesson for me in terms of my feelings owning and accepting my feelings and not denying them or having judgment or shame on them. And once I can own a feeling, it is now, I don't want to necessarily say a fact, but it is now something where I have to choose whether to act upon that. And if I'm having a feeling, what does that mean in the bigger picture? What is it that I need? And so how do I overlay that with having thoughts, having opinions, having, um, you know, more in the intellectual sense versus the emotional sense. How, like, there's no difference. But I've been trained my whole life to deny myself and my feelings and my thoughts that they are not valid, that they are, they are worthless. And so this is my process of finding my own worth. I love that. I love that that's, um, that you are able to have that takeaway from, you know, what, what some people might be tempted to really just see as <clears throat> a, a purely professional opportunity to grow. And I love that you are always able to see the opportunity for 
kind of infusing other areas of your life with it and also bringing in your lived experience beyond the professional realm to inform this this development of yourself. Thank you. Boy, we're just having therapy lessons left and right, aren't we? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, Hannah finalizes her story finding an ending that fits the foreboding beginning while still respecting the character she created. This podcast has been another episode of The Pen Is, with your hosts Anna Bradley and Hannah Binder, and technical support provided by Julia Einersen. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us as we learn about ourselves as writers and humans. You can find new episodes weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We love hearing from others about their own experiences with writing. Please feel free to email us at anahanapodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep that pen busy.